COVID pandemic has caused us to shelter in place, and that means we fundraise in place. Does that mean we should hesitate talking with our donors? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day with the fundraising school, and I'm joined today once again by Julie Tier. Julie is the Chief Development and Public Affairs Officer for Boys and Girls Club of America, and she leads their national efforts to raise money, provide public affairs, as well as government relations for one of the world's largest youth serving organizations. And Julie, as we've had a chance to get to know each other professionally and serve alongside each other, I know the goal for Boys and Girls Clubs of America is to double the number of youth served during this decade and therefore double the amount of money you're raising through your annual fund. Is that gonna be possible since we find it difficult to talk to our donors? So thanks, Bill, and thanks for having me. Um, thanks for having me back again. And I, I hope that you and your family are healthy and well, and that all those listening to the podcast uh, that we find today are are healthy. And um, so a couple things, you know, one thing that this pandemic has really, really pointed out, highlighted, illuminated, exacerbated in many ways is that. There's so many things that our kids need. And there's one thing for certain that kids need their clubs more than ever before during this time and in the recovery, but more kids need a boys and girls club. So we are still committed uh, to that audacious goal to double the number of, of kids that have access and can participate in a boys and girls club um, and to raise the resources necessary in order to ensure that, that they have that opportunity. Um, and you know, the, the thing is, is I can tell you that if we stay in touch with our donors and we communicate the need, we check in on our donors, we, you know, ask how they're doing, how are their families doing, how are their businesses doing, and share the impact, share the opportunity, share how your organization or our organization may be shifting um, to meet the needs of those that we serve during this time. And I can tell you that as long as we do that, combined with you know, really re-looking at how you prospect for donors during this time. Um, you know, there are, if you're an organization like we are that uh, relies on significant support from corporations as well as individuals, there's a number of corporations, unfortunately, that are negatively impacted because of the economic impact. But I'll tell you, there's a number of corporations that are doing just fine and are actually having record profits. And so really making sure that you're looking strategically um, as you're prospecting, because there are corporations and thus individuals um, that are that are actually faring well during during these times and so a combination of staying in touch with your donors and you know look it may not always be to make an ask but I can tell you one thing that if you're not talking to your donors somebody else is and we've had some great examples of where uh, our clubs one of our clubs in the Midwest actually was communicating with one of their donors and was asking if um, his company that he leads might be willing to make an investment. And he said, you know, the future is very uncertain for his company, but what he'd be willing to do is to make a gift and then to ask his employees if they would consider giving a portion of their stimulus checks that they received to the local Boys and Girls Club. And so had our club professional not reached out had the conversation, explored the opportunity, which maybe the original ask wasn't gonna be you know, a fit at this time, but it led to another opportunity. And so I think that our donors and our supporters, if they can, they'll find a way to help during these times. Julie, on one hand with the pandemic, 
perhaps the initial shock is over. Like, oh my goodness, I can't go to the office. I have to figure out how to use Zoom. I can't watch my favorite sports team, go to the theater, things like that. And perhaps, you know, life is kind of now settled into to where we are right now uh, as we're all coping together through this, you know, very challenging situation. Um, and yet I'm wondering, we talk about when we reach out to our donors, that can be a positive message. It can be a hopeful message. We're trying to make the world a better place. We're staying in touch with you, donor, uh, and bringing you the information from our nonprofit, in this case, Boys and Girls Clubs of America. But I'm also wondering, is, as you raise money through the national office or the many, many fundraisers you have in chapters across the United States, are people running into maybe resistance from donors who say, gosh, it's great that kids need a Boys and Girls Club, but I can't go to my favorite museum anymore. Oh, I'm glad for the kids, but I can't go to a ball game anymore. I'm glad for the kids that my senior center is now closed. Uh, are you running into any of that? And, and what advice do you have for fundraisers in case they get a little bit of a pushback from a donor? Yeah, so I think a couple things, right? Because so many um, philanthropic um, individuals or philanthropic leaders, they support typically not just one organization. And so you will see where, unfortunately, for so many donors and philanthropists, many of their organizations that they support and that they're passionate about are impacted in, in different ways. We haven't really had people say, well, I'm sorry for the kids, but my, you know, but my museum, it's really been a way of, you know, I may not be able to give as much as I gave you before. I can give you something, but I also have these other organizations that need my help. And I think we have to be okay with that and to have those be open to those kinds of conversations and understand too, from the donor's perspective, what's important to them and their philanthropic um, priorities. I think the other thing too, when you think about organizations, you know, our organization is obviously right in the thick of immediate relief, whether it's food, it's emergency childcare services, it's virtual programming to help combat the learning loss. And not every organization is as centrally right in the middle of the relief efforts. And so, you know, our advice to those organizations too are to make sure as you're having conversations with your donors, if they have made commitments that are restricted to really have the conversation with them about the opportunity to unrestrict those gifts during this time to support your core operations so that the organization can sustain and can come out of COVID and this pandemic in a position to be able to continue on with whatever that restricted project or program um, might have been focused on. And we have seen a great deal of success with that, actually, with many um, restricted donors that we have or restricted gifts that we've had, that at least for this first year, they're willing to, you know, put it right towards relief to support the core operations of the national office or of our local club. So I would really encourage every organization, if they're not, to have those conversations about unrestricting restricted gifts during this time. And as Julie is sharing this wisdom and expertise and advice with us, we need to remind our audience that under Julie's leadership, the Boys and Girls Club of America has moved into the top 10 of the philanthropy 400 in terms of successful fundraising uh, here in the United States. And remember about four of those on the top 10 are private wealth sector corporations holding donor advised funds. There are only about six that are kind of the so-called traditional nonprofit organizations 
and Boys and Girls Clubs of America is one of those six. Very impressive fundraising uh, over the last several years with momentum heading into and continuing even during this uh, COVID pandemic. And as Julie is saying, we should not fear reaching out to our donors, even to the point of a donor who has given a restricted gift to have that conversation to say, hey, for this short term, could you unrestrict that gift? And you know, Julie, that makes a lot of sense because somebody making a restricted gift by definition, that's a very strategic donor. That's a very intentional donor. That's a donor who is closer to us than the typical donor. Uh, and I also want to ask you again about corporations. You, you reminded us. I mean, yes, the, the business sector right now is struggling. We've only gained back about one-third of the 21 million jobs that have been lost. Uh, and yet the stock market, as we record this, is kind of where it was when the calendar year started. And some industries, food industries, online shopping industries, there are some that are doing well. So we really need to be targeted when we're approaching that corporate sector. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that we're going to be um, launching tomorrow for our local boys and girls clubs um, is uh, something around, you know, I think most fundraising professionals are familiar with the acronyms Libunt and Cybunt, mm -hmm. um, right? And so we're also looking at uh, sort of not since COVID, um, haven't been contacted since COVID or haven't given since COVID, putting an acronym to that and really working with our clubs to apply that live on side on strategy to this current environment. So making sure you really, like who of your donors have not given since the start of the pandemic? Who of your donors have you not contacted since the start of the pandemic? And to make sure that you now have a plan in place whether that's with your board members or it's other executives of your organization um, to be reaching out to those donors that haven't given um, since the COVID pandemic or haven't been contacted since the COVID pandemic. And I think that we'll find that there's a number of donors that fall into both of those categories that, you know, four months in to this, um, while maybe weren't, weren't ready um, to give four months ago, might be in a better position today or be more compelled to do so. You mentioned the board of directors. Um, you know, we, we maybe can't be meeting in person with our board and maybe we can't be inviting them to the special event or the activity like we did back in the day. What role can uh, nonprofits use? And again, I understand you're at a national office and your board is all over the United States, but some of our nonprofits have their boards right there in their local communities and local regions. How can we engage our board members uh, in terms of this outreach to current donors, through stewardship and thank you. What advice do you have for fundraisers so they don't feel they have to do this themselves? Absolutely. So I think first and foremost, if your organization is not having virtual board meetings, I have two today actually that I'm doing, one with our national trustees. Um, my boss, our CEO and I are leading, and then we have another with our board of governors, our main governing body. And every couple of weeks, um, taking 45 minutes or an hour just to give them, you know, the most current up-to-date impact strategies, revenue results, fundraising updates. So I think keeping them updated, whether it's through a virtual communication or a regular update from your leader's organization, or if you're a fundraising professional, making sure you're giving regular updates, whether it be once a week, just here's what you need to know to your resource development committee. And then, you know, making sure that you're really carving out the time to set up time to talk to your board members one-on-one -on -one and to help engage them. So if there is a gift that you just secured, 
certainly you're going to thank them or have your CEO thank them, but engaging your board members in stewarding your donors during this time, I think is a, a, a really, really um, effective way, uh, both to show, show appreciation to your donors, but also to get your board members um, warmed up a bit to help you fundraise during a time where maybe fundraising isn't as comfortable um, as it otherwise might have been not in a global pandemic or um, you know in a, a economically challenged time. So I'd encourage you to do to do that. And then if you have calls set up, bring a board member on the call. I mean, there's nothing like peer-to-peer -peer relationship building, especially when it comes to major gift fundraising. So I would encourage you to 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 do that if you're not already doing so. And again, the board member, if they're a little hesitant to make the ask, you can train them, you can get them accustomed with that over time, but at the very least they can explain why they're on the board, why they volunteer their time, why they donate, uh, and maybe even a story from the nonprofit, and then let the professional make the ask if that's more comfortable for the board member. And Julie Tier is the Chief Development and Public Affairs Officer for Boys and Girls Clubs of America, uh, one of the nation's leading experts in fundraising. We're so fortunate to glean Julie's advice once again. And I can tell you, we take great pride at the fundraising school of also looking in the academic literature. So much of it created by our own faculty at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And what's really interesting is the, the research shows, the evidence-based practice shows that one of the best ways to endure through an economic crisis is to stay close to your current and existing donors. And Julie has confirmed that once again here today. Now remember, with the Fundraising School, we have TFRS at your desk. We are more open than ever before, 24-7, as we endeavor to be your career-long colleague. With these free podcasts that come out every week, with a monthly Fridays with the Fundraising School, and we get together to chat, share stories, commiserate a little bit if we need to, and just gather as a fundraising community once a month online. Uh, we also have our uh, Right now, crisis response scholarships where you can register for one of our classes with a 50% discount. So even if you've been to our courses before, come to another course as long as you take that course in the calendar year 2020 uh, and you can receive a scholarship and receive that 50% discount. Stay tuned. We're putting together our plans for 2021, uh, including another current affairs fundraising series. We'll have another uh, series of five courses uh, offered in a three-hour format on topics relevant to this moment. All of this is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm -hmm.